So, Reagan, you're sitting in your studio apartment at 10 o'clock at night. You're laying in your twin bed, feet dangling off the end. I don't like where this is going. Scrolling on TikTok. Okay. You just find yourself, you're scrolling. Okay. What is, in your opinion, what is that TikTok, whether it's a trend or type of TikTok, that just gets under your skin? Like, you see the TikTok and you're just like, I hate this type of content. So, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, there's this guy called Rotsiv157 that pops up on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I really, that was fair. I, I really hate his content. Um, That's fair. It's quite terrible. <laughs> it's just like, you know what? I'm actually going to hit not interested on yeah, this one. <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't know you could do that with TikTok until like a yeah. month and a half ago. Changed That's how my you life. get... That's how you get the Change. shame and guilt off your FYP. <laughs> That's so real, though. It's so real. It's like, how did I, I end just, up here? <laughs> it's just like, why did TikTok decide that was what I needed yeah, to it's see? Like three skips, I don't know. Three skips and a hop, and we ended up in like, oh, wow. Okay. All right. I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying. Well, I ask that question because maybe it's because I let this affect me too much. But there are certain TikTok trends, especially when it's like a Christian taking a regular trend and like Christianizing it. Yeah. I report those. You report I report it? them. Yes. I report them for minor safety. You're a Christian Karen. On TikTok. It makes me so angry. Yeah, that's When a Karen. I see those TikToks. You are the definition um, of a Karen. But I don't, I, I, no, Karens leave mean comments. You leave mean comments. That. I leave general comments no 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 that can be give me a you're a karen tell me tell me an instance where i've left a mean comment you comment on other people's videos amen in all caps with 17 purple crosses because they got me worshiping i don't think you mean that man don't lie to the people don't lie to the people here's why i really post you're a karen with a beard it's because I can trick most of the people who would comment on that video into liking my comment well, no, because they think I'm being sincere. Because here's the thing. If you go to your TikTok page, this is an all love. You look like uh-huh. a guy that would post 17 purple cross emojis. Hold on. Let me think about what? this. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me think about this. <laughs> like, lo- love you. <laughs> And all Christian brotherly love, you haven't cut your hair well, in like three years. I can't. I can't cut my hair right why? now. Why? Why can't you and cut you your know, hair? And you know why. Why can't? Yes, because the Tampa Bay Lightning are in the Stanley Cup final. Thank you for bringing this up, by the You're way. Welcome. You're welcome. For the third consecutive year. You're welcome. And I haven't cut my I didn't cut my hair for my wedding, let alone just because it got long. Mm. Uh-uh. Mm. Same with the beard. So Same how, with the beard. How long has it actually been since you got a haircut? Since 2019. So it's been a whole pandemic, a whole panini. It's been a whole it. pandemic. All of I, it. I do miss because that. I miss that over. part of the pandemic where we called a pandemic anything but a pandemic, but it had to start with a P. <laughs> That's the part of TikTok I do miss. I really sincerely miss that. Bro, it's pandemic, like our, our mental TikTok. health was terrible, but it was like four weeks into the pandemic. <laughs> It was great. It was man. like, oh, spring break is going an extra week this week. Heck yeah. yeah. This, and then this we had pan- the rest of the year off. Yeah. 
It's like this panorama really messed up my summer. This <laughs> this Polaroid, <laughs> bro. I re- I remember that. That was back in the good this days. Peak TikTok, man. There were some good TikTok trends back then. There really were. That there was really that were. was when Christians weren't as annoying on it. Um, That's when you weren't on TikTok. No, I've always been on TikTok, Reagan. Really? I've always been on TikTok, commenting on every video I come across. <laughs> Because I'm just that guy. So if you are listening to this, go to Rotsiv157 on TikTok and tell me he doesn't look like a guy that would post 17 cross, triple cross emojis. While you're there, just follow me. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll just use that as a little self-promo. Yeah. It's not what that was meant well, for. <laughs> well, what is up, guys? My name is Victor, and I am a student pastor at a local chor- church <laughs> here in North Carolina. Well, it's the first time you've ever messed that up. I'm, I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> Thank and my you. name is Reagan Jones, also a student pastor at a local church in North Carolina. And welcome to Sanctified-ish Conversations with Pastors Who Have Not Figured It Out. Um, and Vic, today we're talking about contentment, man. Um, yeah. We are bringing it home. The, this is something that um, as pastors we struggle with, as people in our 20s, we especially struggle with. Um, because even just to bring it full circle with the TikToks, I feel like I've seen like 10 TikToks over the last two days. I was just like, yeah. people are in their twenties complaining about yeah. just life in general. Like I saw someone where like, I think she said that she was 26, but in adult years, it's like being six. And so we're 26 and we like think that life has to be figured out and have to have all yeah. these different things. Like I should be a certain place, but in reality, I'm only six in, a, in, a, in adult years. So you don't yeah. hold a six-year-old to the same standard you hold a 20-year-old. So cut yourself some slack. Right. But none of us do that. So we're yeah. all super discontent that someone is married, someone has kids, someone has a bigger car, someone has a better ministry, someone has a better relationship. Like discontentment, um, I think, is very widespread among yes. us in our 20s. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if this is a new thing. Like in the world, the reason I would argue, I'll argue it from both sides because I find it very interesting. I I don't think the level of discontentment is new for this generation simply because we're all humans, fallen, sinful, and always wanting that next thing. But I do think in the generation that we live in with YouTube and technology and the way things have shifted and the way communication has, has sped up a lot of the way that we consume entertainment. I do think that the six second vine type of content has almost manifested its way into the way that we live our daily lives. And so like in the same way that this generation's attention span is significantly lower than what it was 20 years ago. I think the, our contentment or our ability to be content has also shrunken over time simply because of the way we expect things to come so quickly. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I don't open up Facebook anymore for a variety of reasons. Um, but primarily it's like when I open up Facebook, I see so-and-so got engaged. So-and-so had a kid. So-and-so has a house. And I'm like, it's not, Every time I open up, I'm like, I live in a studio apartment by myself. I don't want kids, but I'm like, I don't have kids. I think like that sounds kind of terrible right now. <laughs> but I'm like, I look around and I'm like, it's not necessarily things that I want, but it feels like there is a standard of adulthood that I haven't hit 
that I'm like, it feels like I'm 25 years old. It feels like I should have a house, a wife, kids, a bank account. Like it feels like I should have these things, (laughs) but they're not things that I have. So it makes me feel like I'm behind the eight ball on where everybody else is. When in reality, those people that I'm comparing myself to feel like they're behind the eight ball on the people that are ahead of them. Um, And the thing is like, I know the Bible has a lot to say about this. Um, It isn't just be content in Jesus, but it's like, he tells you to be content with what he's given you. Um, And he's given us everything that we need. Um, And if we don't have it, we don't need it. And I think that's kind of where contentment starts. Yeah. I always, I I heard a pastor kind of illustrate it this way. Um, I may have actually shared the story in the podcast before, but it's basically where a pilot is kind of flying over a river Yeah, and he looks down at the spot next to the river and the co-pilot's like, why are you looking down there? And the pilot's like, well, I used to, you know, always fish with my dad down there. And every time I fly over it, I want to be down there fishing with my dad. And when he was a kid, he would do the same thing, but look into the sky while he was fishing with his dad. And his dad would be like, why are you always looking into the sky? Because I want to be a pilot. And it just kind of proves this never satisfying desire to always move to the next thing. Yeah. And while it is good and healthy to look forward and to be responsible and to plan yeah, It is not good and healthy to look forward and be irresponsible and make that an idol. And 100%. I think that's where we flip flop these things, right? We, we would rather trust in our ability to plan for our future rather than God pave the path for us. Ooh. And that's where, you know, that's where the, the heart wrestling, that's where that match begins. Ooh. Well, say, um, say, say that last part one more time. Oh gosh. <laughs> Good think about, luck. Think about what you said. <laughs> Just rewind the podcast 15 seconds. Um yeah, I, I think it's it's when we are trying to when we're trying to control our own future yeah. rather than submit our own future to God. That's where that's where we go wrong. Yeah. And so it is okay to look forward. It is okay to be responsible. But when that sits on the throne, yeah. then God's not on the throne. And ult- ultimately, discontentment is rooted in pride and idolatry. Yeah. Well, because it's, I mean, it's things that like I think I should have or a place that I think I should be that is actually not where God has me or what he's given me. So in essence, it's exactly what you're saying. It's a position of pride. Um, yeah. But I love what you're saying there about the future because I've always struggled with either making the future an idol or just like holding so tightly to what my plan or my version of the future is, which is really just like a shallow, selfish version of kind of what God wants for me, that he has to pry my hands open normally through suffering. Um, But like you said this earlier, like I don't think this is something new for people in their 20s because I remember this in high school where I was like, man, all I want to do is go play college basketball. Um, and that's all I thought about. That's all I was working for. And so yeah. I was like, for four years, I was like, I'm just ready to go to college and play basketball. Then I went to college and played basketball. And then I was like, man, I'm ready to graduate. I'm ready to be an adult. I'm ready to be on yeah. my own. I'm ready to be in ministry. Then I got into ministry and a pandemic hit. And then I was like, <laughs> man, I just want to get out of this pandemic. Now we're quote yeah. unquote out of this pandemic, out of this panini. And now like I'm looking <laughs> back, I kind of missed the pandemic. Yeah. Like I don't miss the disease, but like I miss waking up and not having anything to do, but
but spend time with Jesus. And now I wake up and I spent three hours on a spreadsheet yesterday. Yeah. That was dumb. Um, like (laughs) I, my, so now I find myself discontent because I'm missing where I was when where I was always thinking about was where I am right now. Um, and I think man, that's just a huge, a huge tactic of the enemy because the biggest way that he will use you or get you to not accomplish the mission that God has for you here and now is to get you to either think about where he's, God has brought you from or where he's going to bring you to instead of where he yeah. has planted you right now. And I think the perfect example from scripture is the Israelites, right? Like read the book of Exodus yeah. and tell me that God's people were not content with where God had brought them because yeah. they're spending 400 years in sl- slavery and yeah, God dude. says that he's heard the cries of his people. So, so the Israelites have been crying out to God for 400 years. Yeah. God sends Moses into Egypt to rescue his people. They leave, literally they leave Egypt. And the first thing they think about is man, we had we had at least some soup, you know. It's like they're thinking back to yeah what they had just been asking to be delivered from yeah. And we look at the Israelites and we call them idiots because we read that passage and we're like, dang, y'all are kind of idiots. Yep. But then when you take the principle and look a little internally, yep, it's like, well, dang, like yep. I do the same thing. What's that? Uh, I think it comes from Veggie Tales. But what that's what's that TikTok audio where it's like we were in slavery? Like <laughs> it's the asparagus one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we had it so good, and this little asparagus comes around the corner. He's like, "Bro, we were in slavery. What are you talking about? It wasn't that good. Like, how dare you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's that's yeah. so real, man. Because like a good thing out of outside of God's timing is really captivity. Like. Yeah. That that's all it is. So we are longing for these things that God has not given us or he has not said is for us. And it makes us discontent when God is saying, if I gave it to you in the way you wanted in the time you wanted, it would actually be a prison for you. And it wouldn't be a good thing. So I think this is where like to kind of get practical with this. Um, the verse that I always try to come back to on this is literally Psalm 23, one. And it's just like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And yeah. 99.9% of the time, I don't believe that verse um, because there's a lot of things that I want that I just don't have. And I am very just discontent by nature. Um, yeah. I think also like in ministry, very rarely am I satisfied with what we do. And I think this is a quick sidetrack of where I was going yeah. with that. But it's like, I have an event. Great. I did it. It's done. On to the next thing. We yeah. do not have a spirit and a habit of rest and celebration because we are continually discontent looking forward to the next thing, the next sermon, the next camp, the next event. And that's just not a healthy rhythm. Um, Yeah. It's not a healthy practice. Um, But where I was going with Psalm 23 is that like, man, because I know that like the Lord is my shepherd and he is the one who took Israel out of captivity. He is the one that fed them in the wilderness. Like he's my shepherd. He's personal to me. And it doesn't say that I have no wants, like I still will yeah. have wants. I'll still have desires because I'm a human being and they're good things. But it says, because I know who God is, therefore I can be content and I can rest and I shall not want anything besides what he has given me. Yeah. That's a lot easier said than done. 
Um, but I think that's the that's the target that we're that we're looking at here. Yeah the the thing that I find really fascinating is that no matter what part of life or what season of life you're in, Satan will always want you to want the next thing. And it's yeah. and, and I mean, you can you can frame that however you want. And I'll use Reagan and I as an example. Reagan has something that I really want at work. Like yeah. I he just does. But when you talk to Reagan, he will talk about how he wants something that someone else. And it's just like it is the ladder yeah. of discontentment. Yeah. And it's and it's when we fixate on those things like. I have been incredibly blessed and incredibly cared for. And I'm so quick to look to the thing that I don't have rather Mm -hmm. than sit and be thankful for the thing that God has given me. And like, there has never been a moment where I've not been provided for. Yeah. And I look for, or look at the things that God hasn't given me. And I think that's ultimately because I have a really bad habit of celebration. If you look all throughout the old Testament and Reagan and I talk about this a lot, but if you look all throughout the old Testament, whenever God does something really cool or whenever God provides for his people, what does he ask his people to do? That's so good. He asks them to build a Bethel, to build a pile of rocks, to build a monument so that whenever someone comes across this place again, they can remember how God provided for his people. And it's like in your life, you need to be intentional about building your Bethels, building Mm -hmm. up monuments in in, in parts of your life where God has so clearly provided for you. Because if you don't, you will not be reminded of how God's past grace is proof of his future provision. That's just how it is. Yeah. But I fail to build my Bethels. So I fail to look yeah. and lean on who God is and what he is capable of doing. Bro, I think you just kind of made something click in my head for me because I am not a celebrator by nature. Um, I, I don't know a lot of people that are. The people that are honestly are the ones that have the most positive outlooks on life. And honestly. they are the ones that have the most contentment in their lives. And so I don't have a whole lot of contentment, honestly, because I'm not a celebrator. I'm not a remember. I'm quick to forget the things that the Lord has done. So I fall back into the same patterns that the enemy will promise. This thing will fulfill you. This thing will make you feel better. Blah, 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 blah. And it doesn't. Um, What, what does a practical celebration look like? Like, do I need to throw a party every time God (laughs) does something part? Like is, is a celebration a party? Like what does it look like for us to build a habit of celebration in our lives? Yeah. I mean, Truthfully, this has not been something that I am anywhere close to perfecting, but the thing that my mentors in life have encouraged me to do is to keep a a notebook, a journal that is specifically yeah. for God's provision. And so they're like I for a large portion at the beginning of my ministry career, I was support rate based. All of mm-hmm. my income was simply based off of people's generosity. And I remember one night Literally at 11.55 p.m. sitting in the bathtub because I was so upset that I was going to be $100 a month short of my goal and that I wasn't actually going to be able to provide for my family. And I was sitting there literally in tears when I got a text from a friend that said, hey, God told us we need to reach out about giving you $100 Mm -hmm. a month. Praise God. 
And in that moment, I ran to my notebook and wrote it down. Yeah. Because I knew that in the future, in the support raising difficulty that it is, I was going to struggle. Mm-hmm. And this was a moment where God showed me his provision. So I had to write it down so that any other time I ran into this because I did. Yeah. I could go back to that point. And so I think it's building like tangible things in your life that you can go back to. And yeah. that might look different for everyone. Literally, if throwing a party, <laughs> like having a bunch well, of friends over honestly, and having a meal is like, if that's that's worth doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. if that's how you can build a tangible reminder. Well, so like that's that's my sister. So my sister is like the most celebratory person that I probably know. Like she throws a party for everything. She throws a party for other people. Those kind of things make me want to throw up on the inside. Um, <laughs> like, love you, but someone else needs to throw a party for you. She That's threw just... a party for you and wasn't even able to come. And the party she, still she happened. Did. She did. The party she, still happened. She threw my 25th birthday party and wasn't able to make it. <laughs> but like, that's just the kind of like, she's a celebrator. Um, yeah. And I do think like there is a, a call in scripture to celebrate the things that the Lord has done. I think it's different than remembering the things that the Lord has done. Um, because That's I, good. because I think like I can write down in a journal, like I, I have a similar story with support raising with Vic. Like I had to raise X amount of money. And on the very last day that the, the money was due, I had somebody complete it all the way through. And it was like an impossible number that I didn't think God would be able to get me to. But on that yeah. last day, he got it. And I wrote it down and I was like, he did it. God did it. He can do impossible things. Don't forget it. Yeah. I forgot it. So it's like, I I think that's why he calls us to remember things, to build those Bethels. Because like Hosea says, like prone to wander, like your your heart is like the morning dew. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. So I think remembering is something that will anchor you back to God. Celebration is an emotional response. Yeah. Like celebration is like, even though like I may not see the result of your providence here and now, I remember what you've done. And before it even happens, I'm going to celebrate not just the things that you have done, but I'm going to celebrate the things that you are going to do because I know the things that you have done. Um, And that is so good because there are so many examples of that in the Bible. Yeah. Look at the Passover. Yeah. Like the Passover was like, look at, look at the Christian tradition of Easter and of Christmas. Like there are specific times that, especially in the old Testament, you have like a million feasts that would happen all the time, but literally like those things were put in place as a celebration of what God had done. And that's literally what the Passover was. You know what I mean? So that's, I really like the delineation you make there between celebrating and remembering, because I think we have to do both of them Mm -hmm. because if you just write it down in a notebook and then you lose the notebook or something, like we're prone to wander. We're going to forget. I have six journals on my like shelf right now. I forget the things the Lord has done. Um, and that's why they're rhythms. So it's like, it's a spiritual discipline of celebration. It's a spiritual discipline of remembering because they're not things that will naturally come to us. But I think they're two tangible things that can help us fight discontentment. Um, when we're, when the enemy is lying to us saying, oh, God didn't provide for you in the past. He won't provide for you in the future. God wasn't yeah. good to you in the past. He won't be good to you now. Um, those are just straight up lies. Straight up lies. Um and the, and the devil is a very good liar. 
Yeah, I, I I pitch it to my students this way. It's it's probably not the best theologically, but it really <laughs> works. I basically am like, what if you went to bed tonight and woke up with only the things you thanked God for yesterday? Yeah. Now, terrible theology because it's like if they forget to thank God for the sun, then the whole world will be destroyed. So yeah. like, no, but also it develops a sense of thankfulness. Yep. For what God has given to his people. And it's a good reminder to build in routines and celebrations of, of how God has provided for you so that when the enemy does try and poke at you to say, hey, did God really say that? Yeah. Did he really do that? He's not faithful. You're struggling here. You already have the habits and the yeah. rhythms in place to battle those naturally. And if yeah. you don't have those going into it, like you're, you've basically done the majority of Satan's work for him. Well, I think that's a good way of kind of like a litmus test of figuring out where you're at with contentment is what does your prayer life look like? Yeah. Um, yeah. That I mean, like Jesus's prayers are saturated with like Thanksgiving. Um, like he teaches us to pray that way, to thank God for what he's done and then come with our needs. Um, when the majority of my prayers just kind of feel like, hey, God, I need this. Hey, Lord, I need this. Hey God, it's me again. And there's a place to bring our needs to him. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But I think the posture of our heart, like celebration and Thanksgiving softens our heart and fixes our eyes on God and who he is so that when these needs are brought to him, it's not a life or death situation. Like sometimes they are, but like when we haven't celebrated, when we haven't thanked God for the things that he's done, when we bring our needs to him, it's like, Lord, I don't really care what you've done or what you're going to do. I need this now. And if this doesn't come now, my entire world is going to fall apart. Yeah. When celebration will, will soften your heart, it will remind you of the truths. Like it's a little bit of a palate cleanser for those needs. Um, So I think actually identifying where you're at in prayer will help you know where you're at with contentment. Yeah. And, and it is, it is much, I don't know how to, it is, it is much better to be humbled by thanking God and and celebrating what he's done in yeah. your life and giving him credit for that than God humbling you in a way that is significantly less comfortable. Um, yeah. but, but you're right. Like when we pray and when we have practices of celebration for what God has done for us and in our lives, it naturally causes our spirit to take a posture of humility. Yeah, man. Because we're not celebrating who we are and what we've done. Yeah. We're celebrating who God is and what he's done. Dude. So that's what, that's, I mean, that's the whole point. Can I tell you the thing that blew my mind today? Um, Hit me. So, okay. So our culture is kind of obsessed with like manifestation where it's like, if you think it, you become it. Like you speak it, it happens. Um, Yep. The Bible does not. The Bible does not condone that, but like yeah. Proverbs 27, three, I believe um, it talks about the patterns of our mind. Um, and I believe it's actually the new King James version was the message I was looking at or the translation I was looking at. And it said, um, what you think about in your mind, you become. Huh. And so it's like the, the thought patterns that are in your, that are in your head become the habit of your life. So yeah. when I'm thinking in my head, Lord, I need, Lord, I need, Lord, I need, Lord, I need, Lord, I need. That becomes the habit of my life. 
Yeah. When I think in my head, God, thank you for the cross. When's the last time I just said that? Yeah. When's the last time I was like, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the things you have done. Thank you for the prayers that you've answered. That becomes a habit of my life. Um, and so like, also like, I think contentment starts with our mind. It starts with our thoughts. Um, it starts with taking those captive and letting yeah. those become the habit of our lives. A really popular definition for the word repentance is like, I forget, I forget the, the actual verbiage of it, but it's like realizing in your head, changing in your heart that yeah. leads to a change in your hands. And it's like the, the process is head, heart, hands. Yeah. And it is very hard to do something that isn't that you're not convinced is beneficial for you. Yeah. And so when you realize that the most beneficial thing for you is for you to look more like Christ, mm -hmm. then that will naturally cause you to take a posture of humility and celebrate the things that he's done, not you. Yeah. Right. So you convince yourself and you convince yourself not in your head or with, with knowledge that trickles down to your heart. Yeah. You begin to believe it. And what does that do? That naturally causes you to act and to do things yeah. that are in line with that heart posture. And so I, I do think we focus probably to a detrimental mm -hmm. point too much on the heart where it's like, we don't really talk about taking your mind captive, bro, renewing your thoughts, yeah. right? Like the things that you, that you sit on and you contemplate about in the secret places. Yeah. Like we almost kind of disregard those things. Yeah. And then we sit here and we ask, well, why am I not doing the thing that, you know, I want to be doing? We take this Roman seven approach. Yeah. It's because we haven't convinced ourselves that they actually matter. Yeah. What so do we don't do like, them? Romans 12, two says you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Um, so it's like your mind has a thought pattern. It has a habit and it can be transformed and it can be renewed. But what's the thing that renews it? It's the word of God. So like you don't have the ability to renew that in your own strength. Yeah. Like you can't create new channels and new patterns in there. God's word is the only thing that can create that. So if you want to take your analogy one step further, the head, the heart, the hands, what affects the head? God's word. So we read yeah. God's word that affects our head, which affects our heart, which affects our hands. And the reason our hands are discontent is because our heart is discontent because our head is discontent because we actually aren't reading God's word. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because if I don't know the things that he has done, if I don't know the things that he has said of me, if I don't know his promises for me, if I don't know Psalm yeah. 23, one, that he really is my shepherd. And because of that, I shall not want, I have zero chance to be content no matter what I'm walking through. Yeah. I think something that we often forget to remember is that the Holy Spirit does not just renew our heart. Mm. It renews the entirety of our being. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus's death on the cross has restored every aspect of us. Mm -hmm. And so Christ doesn't just see a clean heart. He sees a clean Imago Dei. He sees a, he yeah. sees a clean Victor. He sees a clean Reagan in its totality. Yeah. Because of Christ's sacrifice. Yeah. And I think that is incredibly, I think that's incredibly important. I think, you know, to round out our conversation here to kind of transition into the closing piece of this Reagan, what would you say to the person who is just 
just sitting in a season of deep discontentment. Um, How would you not just pastor, but like just practically help someone move from hating the situation that they're in and being discontent, maybe being angry at God and moving to a place of submission and reliance on Jesus. First of all, I would just say like, I get it. I feel you. I think like you talk to any, not just human being, but especially people in their twenties. Like, I think most of us, like when I've talked about this, like when I've talked about it with Vic, when I've talked about it with other people, I've realized that not only am I just discontent, but most of my friends are discontent and they have things that I want and they're still discontent. Um, so one, I would just say like, I'm sorry, I feel you talk to somebody about it. That's a healthy thing to do. Um, Practically, I would yeah. say you, it's not a, a physical war you're fighting. It's a spiritual one. Um, so if it, was, if it was solved with physical things and you were discontent because you didn't have a new car, if you get a new car, that should solve your issue with discontentment, right? But that's not how that works because you get the car yeah. and just now there's another thing that takes its place. So it's a spiritual yep. root that has physical fruit. Um, and you fight spiritual battles through his word and through prayer. Um, so just like maybe taking a week and all of your prayers, just let it be Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. let it be celebrations right down in a journal. Um, I'm probably going to do this this week cause I think I need it, yeah. <laughs> but just like the things that God yeah, has done over, over the last two weeks, um, like he's moved in your life and we miss it so many yeah. times. Um, but like go on a walk, ask God to show you the things that he's doing in your life and he will. Um, and then don't ask him for anything for a week. Yeah. Just simply like thank him for what he's done and allow that to change the posture of your heart and change the way we approach prayer. Yeah. I, I hear in the back of my head and I don't know if this is just like, I don't know why I hear this in the back of my head, but this is just my natural objection Mm -hmm. is I just don't have time to do that. Mm -hmm. And my response to that objection is, you know, in the most loving way possible, that is just not an excuse. Mm. Like there is probably someone out there that needs to take a couple of vacation days off from work to spend intentional time with Jesus. Yeah. There might be someone out there that needs to take a sick day. There might need to be someone out there who needs to take, um, who needs to rearrange their Saturday from hanging out with friends to spending all day in your house, unplugged with Jesus. And you'll notice that if you're really discontent, making the shift is really difficult and Mm -hmm. it requires some pretty major, I put that in quotes because spending a day with Jesus isn't that major, but it like, (laughs) it takes a major time sacrifices from what you're used to because you, because you haven't been doing that. And so I just want to challenge if there's anyone out there that just is like, man, I just don't have time. I want to encourage you take two vacation days, Mm -hmm. take, take the afternoon, use four hours of your vacation time. Use the things that your work gives you to help you better grow closer to Jesus and stop using the excuse of I don't have time because even though I don't know you, I promise you that is not the case because that is not how God designed us. Yeah. Um, and so 
yeah, we we are doing our absolute best, okay, to do 30, 35-minute podcasts. We've noticed that the past couple of episodes have teetered on the hour mark, (laughs) and we we appreciate every person that has listened all the way through. Bless y'all. But I didn't want to listen all the way through, so I'm assuming y'all don't either. <laughs> so we're going to try and keep them to 30, 35 minutes, so we appreciate the fact yeah. that you've made it this far. If you got something out of today's episode, send us an email, sanctifiedish at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Maybe there's something that you disagreed with, have questions about, or just want further explanation mm-hmm. or further conversation. Hit us up. We'd love to have conversations with you. We'd love to chat through some of that with you. Uh, you can also follow us on TikTok, as Madison said last week. Yeah. Um, you know, you're only unhealthy if you're on TikTok. So if you are on TikTok and unhealthy, you should follow us because we're also on TikTok. Amen. Sanctified-ish. We have all the content, all of the podcast clips. I mean, we have some. Pod- we, have, we have some content. Literally, podcast clips from this episode will go up before this episode. You can see why Victor looks like a Karen. You can see why I put 14 purple heart emojis on basically (laughs) all of Reagan's videos. (laughs) All of them. All of them. Check us out on TikTok, sanctified-ish. Guys, we're super thankful for you. Um, We're thankful that y'all have made it this far with us in our podcast journey, and we can't wait to see where God takes us. We are content. But even with podcasting, it's really easy to be like, man, what if we got to this place yeah. and look forward? So as as people that listen to us, keep us in check. Yeah. <laughs> we really appreciate well, it. Let's just practice the habit of celebration. Thank you all. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all the emails, even for listening. Um, like you guys make this a community and not just two guys talking into a mic with no one listening. So yeah, thank yeah. you guys um, for listening. We really do appreciate you guys. And I tell Vic every time I'm just kind of blown away that anyone would find any of this useful and that God would use it for anything. So um, yeah. we're really thankful for you guys and we're thank you that you guys are sticking around for the journey. Yep. Well, I think that's a perfect way to close it until next time. Take care and God bless. You do look like a Karen. I can't wait to get 100,000 listeners. (laughs) 